As a born-again believer, you have the DNA of Jesus. Be ready to be activated and launched into your identity as kings. Receive impartation to succeed in life. Recover your ordained sphere of influence. Receive strategies to unlock wealth building for your family and advance the kingdom on earth. Be initiated into the lost tribe of kings, rising to reign and rule alongside the King of Kings. Learn more about how you can connect with us by visiting our website, kingsandwealth.com. Again, our website is kingsandwealth.com. Steward your finances. Be faithful in stewarding them. Steward them with integrity, with, with shrewdness, but make sure they increase and they multiply. Jesus is all about multiplication. Now, chapter 25, I'm gonna ask you to take the time home at home to, to read through this. When I first read through it in the past, I was thinking, oh gosh, you know, Jesus, why did Jesus, uh, why did Jesus take away the, 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 the talent of the one person that had that one talent? Why did he take that away and give it to the other two? Firstly, I want to give a few pointers, okay? That's a, that's a, this is a, a quite a, a chunky bit, chapter 25. Let's see if we have time to read this. No, we don't have a lot of time to read this. I'm sorry, you know, because we're running out of time. I need you to go home and read through this, but I just want to give you a few pointers about this, this particular passage. Jesus was talking about money, okay? When he talked about talents, he wasn't talking about gifting, blah, blah, blah. And people used to interpret that. People are still interpreting and talking about talents and giftings. No, but he was talking about money. He was talking about money in this passage, okay? His literal choice of words is money because one talent is equivalent to 6,000 days of wages, which we're talking about today's term is about 1.5 million. 1.5 million. He gave three, ser the, the, the master in the, in the parable gave five talents to one servant, two talents to another servant, and one talent to the last servant. But a talent is equivalent to $1.5 million. Okay, Jesus was talking about money. And Jesus was expecting, again, a multiple of doubling in that parable. So Jesus is expecting us to steward and double and multiply what we have, money-wise. I mean, if you ask me, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, Jesus sounds like a hedge fund manager because only the hedge fund managers are able to double your money and they will make that kind of promises. So Jesus was expecting a doubling of his investment in us. How are you doing with, with his investment, by the way? How are you doing with his investment? Now, this other passage I absolutely love, Luke 16, also take the time to go through it. The one key thing about this is that Jesus was commending that servant who was really smart in hustling and really shrewd and opportunistic. It sounds all negative, but that's actually what Jesus commended. Jesus was complimenting that particular servant for being smart with money. That's basically the point. He was being smart with opportunities and he was being smart with money. 
and Jesus was complementing that. So I want you to change the way you think. Being smart with money and being opportunistic may not necessarily be a bad thing. Being smart with opportunities means you, are know, you know how to use a situation and make money out of that. There's nothing wrong with that. At the end of the day, is how you steward your life. It's how you steward your time on earth. Because we want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, I'll make you ruler over many. Now I believe, okay, this is again Y.E. Schmidt's take on this. Our lifetime is like a walkthrough, it's like a trial run. Okay, it's like a probation. We get a chance to try out how do we steward everything that's been given to us. And then in eternity, we get to rule over many things based on how we perform, how we steward in this lifetime. Now in that show, The Crown, Netflix show, preparing for the throne is the work of a lifetime. Prince Charles has been an intern to the throne for 60 plus years now. I personally, I am also stewarding finances and stuff like this and you know, I'm always going in my head and thinking, okay, how do I steward this and how do I strategize this? How do I make the best out of what God has given me? And I'm saying this is possible for each and every one of us and this is what we should be doing. And here I've got a little detail here about how I look, for instance, I've been very busy the last few months working, at, working towards creating passive income. You know, that's the best way to make money. Well, not the best way, I mean, it's like, you know, it's a great way to make money. Um, I look for, you know, I'm, I've been building a base of passive income with 15 to 16% uh, return, you know, and passive income means that, you know, you don't actually do anything. You have other people manage your money and then you get your return. But the point is, do business till I come. This is what Jesus said. Do business till I come, and I take it literally. Once you start doing that, over time, your growth is going to be compounded, exponential. Now, I wanna talk about debt. Save and shave your debt. Pay yourself first. Practice delayed gratification. Pay down debt, do not delay. Bible does not like debt. Mm -mm. Bible does not like debt. You are a lender, not a borrower. You are a lender, not a borrower. So every investment that I make, I'm actually lending my money to that particular venture, those people are actually working with my money and they are returning it with a return, with a rate of return. You are meant to be a lender, not a borrower. So, if I were you, I wouldn't use my credit card, how would I put it? If I were you, I wouldn't buy things that I cannot afford. This is, this is, this is the bottom line. Do not buy stuff that you cannot afford. 
that you cannot afford to, afford to pay for. Be responsible. I mean, that some of you here I know that are very good, and, and, and we, well, I can't wait to hear from some of you as well. I mean, there's so, that's so much material out there, there's so much information out there, how to, how, to, how to steward your finances, how to, you know, like Dave Ramsey, for instance. I mean, I learned so much from him in our building years as well. Yeah, I would definitely refer you to him in terms of very specific principles, how to get rid of debt, how to, how to increase your savings, all that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, just basic, fundamental, foundational that is not good, okay? So if you have been hoarding extra cash because you're not traveling during the pandemic, nobody can travel, right? You've got some extra cash. You know what? Use that to pay down debt or invest. Put some aside. I, if I were you, I would put some money to pay down debt and to put some money to invest. The 1% club. The 1% club. It is not beyond your wildest dreams. It is not beyond your wildest dreams to be part of the 1% club. What is the 1% club? It's kind of different in different nations and economies, but I would say in the US, I know, I was searching it up last night, um, in the year 2020, if you make more than half a million, that's, that will put you in the 1% club. If you have a net worth of 10 million and above, that will put you in the 1% club. I remember last year when I was doing my life, Facebook Live with uh, my apostle and spiritual dad, Ryan Lestrange, I was recounting the story about how uh, I, was, I was a little, little peeved and when, when I was told, oh, you know what, uh, you guys, your net worth is not enough to be part of Citigroup private banking. And they only take individuals with net worth of 20 million and above. And then, and then I remember my banker saying, yeah, that's the 1%, you know. So I was really glad to find out last night that, oh, actually, you know what? The 1% is not 20 million, it's actually 10 million. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is really scary that we're talking about all this. It's scary for me, I'm telling you all this stuff. But guess what? It's time that we start learning how to be open about finances. That's how you grow in it. Yeah, in non-Christian circles, it's just normal, normal to be talking about money and talking about numbers in a very factual way way it's just numbers why do we fear being open and honest but anyway the point i'm trying to make is right now on this conference i know of at least three one percenters can you believe it on this conference i know of three one percenters and i'm having the faith to say that as the years go by there will be more of us in this club. So I want to encourage you to tell you, you can be part of 1%. And last year, I, I don't know where I was looking up the, the numbers. It says that 1% holds the 82% of the wealth in the world. But actually, I was looking it up again last night. It says 1% holds about 50% of the world's wealth. Whatever it is, whether it's 80%, 50%, I'm saying you can be part of the 1%. You can be part of that 1%. Start paying down your debt, be disciplined, be disciplined. That's the key way to, <coughs> that's the key way to getting rid of debt. You are meant to be a lender, not a borrower.
So like I was saying, don't buy stuff that you can't afford. Furniture, clothes, these are all not necessities. Don't buy stuff that you cannot afford. Cars, we, we, didn't, we didn't buy anything on leasing and hire, but you know, this kind of, you, you can go through all of that. Yes, there's a lot of credit, so, you know, all, all that stuff. If you decide to buy something on credit, okay, based on credit, if you decide you need something, you need to get credit to buy it, make sure you can, you can pay back. Make sure you can pay it back. And um, the one area that both my late husband and I that we agreed about was keep our debt levels low. And that gave us such a peace of mind when we did our investment, when we bought properties. We do come up with quite a lot of equity because we want to sleep better at night. It's up to you how you want to strategize, how you want to allocate yours, but I'm saying don't take out huge mortgage loans that you cannot afford to pay, okay? Count the cost, that's what Jesus said, count the cost. Now, debt is the number one reason why God's people don't prosper. Because many are held hostage by the enemy in lack and debt. Okay, this, some, this really irks me. This is one of my, my pet peeves. Every time I hear people pray for debt cancellation, <laughs> I'm just thinking, oh boy, that is just one lazy way out of debt. It's, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It can happen. Of course it can happen. Has it happened for me? Okay, but... I've seen miracles in so many different ways as well. If you have made mistakes financially, you need to be held responsible as well. You need to learn that's not a way to be spending money. No. If you have been extravagant and you are broke, who's there to blame? You need to take ownership. You need to take ownership. If you have been managing money poorly, that's on you. But I'm saying everybody can change. Everybody has access to amazing information out there. Sign up for a course, this and that. Educate yourself. Educate yourself. Work two jobs, three jobs. Now, finally, so with strategy. This is so important. Don't just give, so. Don't just give, so. Invest strategically. Sow a seed, give it an assignment. Check the soil, whether it's fertile. Check the soil, whether it's fertile. Sow into the Abrahamic covenant. Now, there's a lot of stuff there. We're going to go through it. Okay, this is something that <laughs> I think some of you <laughs> are probably going to, you know, I don't know. You know, whatever it is, I tell you what, I, what I've experienced, what I've applied. It's up to you. I'm not your spiritual leader. I'm not your your pastor, I'm not, but I'm offering to you the information that, the principles that I've applied and sharing with you the experiences that we have and the amazing results. To tithe or not to tithe? To tithe or not to tithe? Why does God require us to give? Okay, before I jump into that, let me tell you, I, we, my late husband and I, we decided we weren't going to tithe we decided we weren't going to tithe. I fought with him for years, this and that. And um, we've been down that road so many times. But later on, I mean, from his point of view, it's like, why do I want to give people money 
that don't know anything about money. It was very hard for me to, 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 to come against that rationality, that, that rationale. But later on, when I started reading in the Bible and really digging into the passage, he was right, maybe for the wrong reasons, but he was right. Let's look into this. Why does God require us to give? We need to give because it will free us of mammon bondage. Romans 11:16 says, And since Abraham and the other patriarchs were holy, their descendants will also be holy, just as the entire batch of dough is holy because the portion given as an offering is holy. So if the roots of the trees are holy, the branches will be too. So that means if you give a portion of what you have, that portion that you're giving to God, it will mean that the rest of it is sanctified. That is the principle behind it. But then, as we know, a lot of, a lot of uh, churches, they always quote Malachi 3.10 and say, oh, Malachi 3.10, therefore you have to give 10%. If not, you're stealing from the temple, blah, 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 blah. I'm saying the blind giving of 10% exposes us to possible leadership abuse. That's what I'm saying. And then we've been talking so much about stewardship. If we're looking at people that we know, okay, they're not stewarding things properly, and then yet we put money with them blindly, how's that good stewardship on our part? I mean, we don't need to discern anymore whether a person is stewarding my money properly. I thought we we're supposed to be exercising our gift of discernment. So there's a blind spot when it comes to tithing. You're not allowed to question. You're not allowed to ask. You're not allowed to, to say, okay, uh, you know, so and so, you're not, you're not stewarding the finances well, but you're requiring that I give you 10% of everything I earn. Huh. I don't think that's good stewardship. And then when it comes to Malachi 3.10, let me just read that out again. Malachi 3.10. The feared Malachi 3.10. So, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now on this says the Lord of hosts, it will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings, then there will, be, there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to, to bear fruit for you in the land, etc., etc. And then before then it says, you have robbed me. Now, I, I, I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> passages like that have been twisted and it becomes like, not a warning, but a threat. Oh, if you don't do this, this is going to happen. Oh, if you don't give 10%, oh, the locusts are going to come and devour your stuff. Then my question to you is, are you giving out of fear or out of faith? Are you giving out of legalism? Or are you giving out of in agreement with what I believe 
is God's word in the new covenant, which is a complete different position. Are you operating in legalism? Are you operating in legalism? My question, again, you know, being an attorney, this is my question to you. Because when I'm looking at Corinthians 9, 6, it says the cheerful giver. It says he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. God doesn't need your money, your 10%, your tithe, if you're giving it grudgingly. You want to give your 10%, go ahead, give your 10%. You want to give 20%, go ahead, give 20%. But don't give it out of fear. Like, oh my gosh, what if I don't comply with Malachi 3? That is fear. That's not faith. That is legalism. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart. So when my husband and I, when, when we came upon this, we realized, oh my gosh, we've been doing the right thing. When we both agree on what to give to the body of Christ, to the various ministries, whether it's, and we, we didn't give to just one place. Nope, we gave to different ministries. Oh my gosh, and when we agreed, when we came into agreement, the Lord blessed us. He couldn't stop blessing us. Because we applied the standard of the cheerful giver. The standard of the cheerful giver. This is what we applied. It is in the new covenant. I believe this is what applies to the new covenant believer. And then the other thing that that I learned out of that is because we came into agreement, God was more pleased with that. He didn't care we gave 10%, 15%, 20%. No, you know, no. He was pleased with both of us coming into agreement. That was for him. Wow. You know, we applied cheerful giver and we came into agreement. God just kept blessing us. Now, the purpose of giving. Let me just bring you back to the purpose of giving. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Let it be the best part of everything you produce. So, here I am. I'm giving my very best to Him and to you. This is for me. It's my tithe. You can call it whatever you like, but I'm honoring the Lord with my time today and doing this with my finances. So I'm honoring the Lord. This is my tithe, so to speak. It's about you giving your best to God. I don't think it's about defining, oh, have you exactly given that 10%? Is it uh, on your net income, your gross income, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I'm sorry, that is ridiculous. The question is, what is your heart motivation? Are you doing it out of fear? Are you doing it out of, fa out of faith? Are you operating in legalism? Which you are if you're trying to figure out, oh, oh, have I given it right down to like the 10% or was it the net or was it the growth, gross, all that kind of stuff. But it's the question is, 
The question is, are you giving your best to God? Because when you give him your best, then it's looping back to you. It's looping back to you. Now, this is what we need to be understanding. The one who sows from a generous spirit. You can give a lot of money, but if you're giving from a stingy spirit, you will reap what you sow. The one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Like giving flow from your heart. God loves hilarious generosity. And I love this. Okay. I'm <laughs> I think there are a lot of people that are going to be so upset with me because I'm saying this now. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, it says, Now may he supply seed to the sower and bread for food and supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the, the fruits. He will supply your seed and he will multiply your seed. So there is a differentiation between giving your seed and giving your bread. When I first heard this, and I heard this the first time a few years back from the money guys of Andrew Womack's ministry, I attended a, a financial conference, and uh, the people that ran that conference were Andrew Womack's money guys. And they were amazing. These are people that are already multi-millionaires, and they have got wealth, and they have been able to steward everything beautifully and multiply and all, all that kind of stuff. And, um, but the one thing that I took away from that one, and I absolutely love it, is that you don't have to be giving your bread. If you're starving, you shouldn't be giving your bread. The bread is meant for you to eat. It's the seed that you should be giving because he will multiply the seed. And remember, be that cheerful giver. Don't give out of compulsion. Don't give out of fear. Don't give out of pressure. Responding to pressure. Be intentional with your giving. When you sow a seed, give it an assignment. Assign a purpose, assign a function. You sow to honor. You sow to honor. And you sow, this is also very important. I've, this is what I've applied in my life. I sow where I want, I sow in the soil where I want that portion to be coming back to me, okay? Where, where the, that soil is so fertile and that soil is full of anointing and I want that anointing, I want that fertility, so I will sow in that soil. It doesn't mean I don't help the poor. Jesus already said, the poor is always with us. We will have to, you know, we will also have the obligation to help the poor. But to balance it out, listen to the Holy Spirit. When you give a seed, you are actually tapping into the laws that God has really set in place when He formed when He formed the universe. Check the soil. I believe you need to check the soil. You either give to help meet a need and that is again the obligation of helping the poor like what Jesus said but when you sow you be very strategic about it you be very strategic about it now seed assignments etc sowing grounds they got to be fertile i've always when i sow i always look for fertile ministries Okay, for instance, like my, my, my spiritual dad, Apostle Ryan Lestrange, 
and uh, in the past, I also uh, um, seeded a lot of joy, uh, a lot of the, the teaching ministries I learned from, whether it's Andrew Walmack, blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I honor these people that I'm learning from by sowing into their ministry, supporting them, yes, but also expecting a return. When you sow a seed, you need to be expecting a return because you know what? This is your right. This is your inheritance. This is your, this is what God has given you. Sid Roth, Kurt Landry, David Herzog, amazing ministers, very, very, very fertile sowing grounds. This is the stuff that I'm sharing with you, what I've done personally in our lives, okay? And uh, I've got this testimony here about, um, I think last year when I bought this apartment, uh, it's a luxury apartment and uh, it's a rental property. Now, I, I needed some time to get that, that apartment ready before I could bring in a renter. And I, I remember telling the Lord, I said, look, Lord, I just bought this apartment. You know, uh, I want to get $3,500 rental income per month from this apartment. And what I did was I put in a seat for exactly the same amount. A few months later, I got exactly what I put in. I gave an assignment to that seat. I said, I want that seat to come back in the form of rental income. And I got the renter that I needed, $3,500. No, actually, in, in the end, it was about 4000 No, wait a minute, I'm talking about euros. Oh, yeah, it's a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> I'm actually getting $4,800 a month out of this rental property. Yeah, so I put in a seat for 3500 euros. Yeah, get that straight. So I was very specific in using that seat to ask the Lord for something in return. Again, be led by the Holy Spirit. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Don't, if you feel like, oh my gosh, there's manipulation, there's pressure, mm. don't do it, don't do it, it's okay. God doesn't need your money, especially when you're giving out of fear. Now, I was just talking about this new testimony. This happened just this week. I don't know. I mean, somehow I have just, I can share with you very honestly because I want you to get it. Okay, and, and yes, this is something that you might want to sow into. This anointing that I managed to, the last few years, every time I sow something, the harvest comes back really, really quickly. Okay. It just comes back really quickly. But it's also because I'm working my hands, I'm learning, and, and I know how to pick out opportunities and get that money back. Now, I have a quick harvest anointing. I do. And I wanted you to have it. So that's why if you decide to, again, no pressure, if the Holy Spirit say, okay, this is something that you should be getting from YE, okay, then you will sow, you can sow later because you know, as you know, my soil is very, very, very fertile. But before I get into that, I want you to listen very carefully. There is a quick harvest anointing that I have, okay? It's weird, but it's miraculous. That's all I can say. Every time I put in a seed, something will happen in the stock market and I can get my money back real quick. On Tuesday, November 17th, I think that's Tuesday, I felt like the Holy Spirit saying, put in $10,000 with, with uh, Sid Roth. 
because uh, there's so many things happening right now. I was feeling very tired. I was like, you know, trying to move forward and all this stuff. And just and I heard the Holy Spirit tell me, put in the $10,000. I did that on November 17th. The next day, Tesla popped. Tesla popped. Out of the 10000 I made 40000 in 24 hours in the spiritual realm. Of course, I've been holding Tesla stock for a long time, for a few months already, a couple of months. But what I meant to say is <laughs> that seed was returned to me four times the next day. And I was telling you, I heard the Holy Spirit right away. I just went ahead and harvested it, took that money out. Quick harvest anointing. It's happened many, many, many times already. And it also proves the other point about being very strategic where you sow your, where you sow your seed. I just know for a truth and a fact that I've been sowing into Sid Roth the last 10 years and it's been amazing. Now, why, 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 what kind of background? A lot of the ministers, if you have noticed, they have that Jewish heritage. Sid Roth, Kurt Landry, David Herzog, they have that, that, that Jewish heritage, Messianic Jews. Why? Because of Genesis 17. It says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I'll make nations of you and kings shall come from you. You will never go wrong in blessing the Jewish people. You will never go wrong, okay? That's the Abrahamic covenant that we are part of and you need to sow into that covenant. You need to be sowing into your Jewish covenant. Abrahamic covenant. Now, I remember a long time ago, uh, maybe it was like 2009, 2008, I can't remember, but um, Daystar, this US television, was going to start broadcasting into Israel for the first time, and they were asking for seeds. And uh, I remember, I, I remember telling my husband about it at that time and saying, honey, I really want to put $1,000 into they start to support what they're doing to sow that seed because they are going to be broadcasting the gospel into Israel for the first time. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I want to be part of that. And I want to sow into that because I got hold of Genesis 12. Blessing the Jewish people. And I want to be part of that. I want, I want that. And I remember he was so mad at me. He was so mad at me. He said, oh my gosh, he doesn't even like the guy that was on TV. He says, oh, you know, he, the guy's slimy. I don't like him at all. I don't know why you want to put money with them, blah, 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 blah. And <laughs> long story short, we had a huge fight, huge argument. I said, look, I'm not going to touch our joint savings. I'm going to take the $1,000 out of my own account, my own savings. I'm going to put it in. I did that, that $1,000. The crazy thing was, after I put in that $1,000, he started getting a lot of favor with his Jewish partners in New York. Somehow, a lot of doors started opening for him. It was inexplicable. It was inexplicable. And he had to come around and say, yeah, you know, there seemed to be something to that. And also, 
because I have been consistent in sowing into Jewish relationships, sowing financially into Jewish ministries, we were buying properties from Jewish people in my city. Did you hear what I said? I, my house, I bought it from an Argentinian Jew. And then there's the other one as well, that the other piece of property. We have so much favor. It's amazing. And I did this crazy thing as well. I went around my city. I went to the Jewish synagogues in Frankfurt. And I started prayer walking by walking around the synagogues and praying. And, you know, I did that. When my babies were little, I would be pushing the stroller and, and uh, yeah, interceding, praying for them. And somehow the Lord just honors that. I can't explain it, but this is what I've been sowing into the Abrahamic government co covenant. Can't go wrong. Genesis 12, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. Now this here. This was my multifamily property that I just sold this year. This is a top location, high yield, multi-family rental property. And the only way we got through this was because I started sewing into a relationship with my girlfriend. Right now she's in her 70s. She was a baker in my neighborhood. She was a baker in my neighborhood. At first I was just ordering cakes from her. I was just going there, oh yeah, you know. I, I wanted to buy cakes for my kids' birthdays or my birthday or whatever. And I knew her for about a year. And suddenly there was one time I came in and I felt like the Holy Spirit, this is the time you should be talking to Tammy about God. This is the time I should be talking to Tammy about Jesus. And I had a wide open window to tell her about Messiah, Yeshua, her Messiah. And that amazing incident led to five years of me sitting in with her, telling her about Messianic prophecies, about how Jesus fulfilled 500 prophecies, all these different passages in the Bible relating to Jesus Christ as her Messiah. It took five years, but she came to know Jesus as her Messiah. It did. And because of this relationship that I have with this lady, Tammy, I got to know a realtor that is right next to her store, right next to her shop. And because of this realtor, I got to buy this property. So we got to buy this property. We, had, we held it for a few years. And this year, a few months ago, I sold it for $3.8 million. I can only say I am so thankful what God has done in our lives. And the other thing about real estate is really important. Remember I told you I said that God gave Abraham Israel? You know what Israel is? You know the land of Canaan? It's real estate. God gave Abraham real estate. So it is totally his heart and his intention for us to be owners to inherit the land. And look at the Psalm 37. It's like, you know, you read the stuff and then you're not even thinking about it. But look at what he says. It's about real estate. 
Be intentional with your sewing. Be intentional with your sewing. Realize what you have in your spiritual heritage. We should no longer be content with renting property. We should be owners. God is owner. You are meant to be an owner. We are meant to be fruitful, multiply, have dominion. And I take that literally again. Having dominion, owning real estate is a way to have dominion. Did you hear me again? I said owning real estate is a way to have dominion in your city. Now, unfortunately, the enemy has succeeded to neutralize a huge part of the body of Christ into paralysis, ignorance, through dead religion, tradition, I don't know. Doesn't matter. All this stuff is so negative, we don't want to look at the negative. We want to see what God has promised us. All that paralysis has to stop. God wants to call out his kings, his sons, his daughters, his kings to world leadership. Wealth is a weapon of influence and an agent of change. God wants influence and wealth to be restored to his kingdom, to his people. We need to be preparing for the bridegroom, his return. That's your job, that's my job. We'll be doing this for a long time, I'm telling you. Okay, this is not a one-off thing. I, I'm not interested in a one-off conference. I have no time for that. I want to be accomplishing big things for Jesus together with you. This is what I'm looking for. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over all the earth. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the earth. Jesus has made us king and kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. You and I, you and I. He's got great plans for us. I want to thank you for your time today. I just uh, am stunned with how many of you have signed up in the last, I mean, even when I was teaching, there were people paying money coming in. So, like I was saying, um, I want to give you an opportunity to sow. It's an opportunity to sow into the anointing that I have, into the soil that I have. If you feel pressured, please don't do it. Be that cheerful giver. But if you want something that I have, you should be sowing. And um, we're going to take a break right now. Before I do that, I just want to pray for everybody. We're going to take a break. It's already 9 o'clock. So let's, take a, let's do a 20-minute break and we can, start at, uh, we can start at in about 20 minutes. Here is 9.30 p.m., which means we'll start at about 3.30 p.m. in the U.S. And then we will do our Q&A. You have to log into your Zoom call, and then we can all connect right here together with my, with my panel guests. Okay, let me just pray for everybody. Father, I praise you. I thank you. Every person that has logged on to this conference, every person that's going to log on later, that's going to watch the replay, 
each and every one of my brothers and sisters, my friends, you have called them to be king. Seal it right now with the blood of Jesus that they are not going to walk away, they are not going to walk away the same. In fact, they are fully transformed in the way they think, in the way they operate, and they will receive this amazing gift of kingship that you have for them. It has been written before the foundation of time, and I decree and declare it over my brothers and sisters. I thank you that your word shall not return to you void. We have spent a lot of time investing and bringing out your word and studying your word. And your word, your word is a powerful seed that will bear lasting fruit and harvest in this tribe of kings. I speak forth fruit, I speak forth multiplication, I speak boldness and courage into my brothers and sisters. I thank you that you are, you are calling them out as kings. I thank you that you will give them new strategies. You will give them new ideas how to hustle, how to, how to work their hands, how, to be not, how, to, how not to be afraid of hard work and to, to, to work the hands that you are going to bless. I thank you, Lord. We all love you. And we're going to have an amazing time gathering to learn more about you, to learn more about each other. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, you have been our teacher the last five, six hours. And you will continue to refresh us and give us fresh revelation and insight in the next couple of hours. In Jesus' name I pray all this. Amen. Are you struggling with knowing your purpose and higher calling in life? Did you know God wants you to be a strategic and powerful leader on this earth and to build wealth for the kingdom? Multimillionaire global investor Yi Schmidt wants to help you become all this and more. In this book, you will be activated in your identity as kings. Learn to boldly battle, succeed in life, and recover your ordained sphere of influence. Learn powerful keys to unlock wealth building for your family and God's kingdom. Be initiated into the lost tribe of kings, rising to reign and rule alongside Jesus, the King of Kings. This book will propel you to flourish in life and attain generational wealth. Are you ready?